Water, Earth, Fire, Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, Master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar and Airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Hirol, who has read the intro once again. This is episode 24 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing Avatar Day. So this first scene starts super auspiciously. Momo is trying to eat a spider that has made its web on Sokka's open mouth, gaping open mouth while he's asleep. Yeah, uh, it's just really gross. And it reminded me of the last episode we talked about, which was the swamp where he takes a huge bite out of that giant fly. Uh, so Sokka's just not doing so great with the insects in his body. It's so disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> then Momo eyes this bug and kind of lines himself up and pounces and sticks his hand inside Sokka's mouth. And then Sokka like jerks awake and he says, what are you doing in my mouth? <laughs> Cue the credits. That is the title of our podcast episode. Ha ha ha. Anyway, uh, Sokka wakes up and he says, Momo, you need to be a little more sensitive to my boundaries. Yeah. And I just thought, uh oh, there's trouble in Momaka paradise. Um, but the silver lining is that at least they communicate well. And communication is key to, you know, any successful, enduring relationship. So I think Momo and Sokka are going to make it. That's not what I thought. They're at second base now, so. <laughs> Justin thought, ooh, things are heating <laughs> up with Momaka here. And right as things are about to get hot and spicy, they are rudely interrupted by the rough rhinos. Uh, things take a big turn and they all jump on Appa and they start running away. And then unfortunately, Aang spends the time to get his staff. Katara gets her scrolls, but then Sokka loses his boomerang. So later, Sokka, in a fit of anger, blames Aang and Katara and says losing the boomerang is as if Aang had lost his arrow or Katara had lost. And he pauses. He says her hair loopies. And I just kind of thought, like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, the most obvious thing here is her necklace. You're, like, looking right at her. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. It, it, was a, it was a bad moment for Detective Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so they run away from the Rough Rhinos and they come across uh, this little Earth Kingdom village, but they realize that there's something going on. There's a festival. Um, and Aang says, there's a holiday for the Avatar? Who knew? Um, but they spot a Kyoshi float, Roku float, and Aang float going by, uh, and they're like very excited. But then a torch runner runs towards the float and rips through the Kyoshi float and sets it on fire and starts to set the other ones on fire too. And everyone starts cheering, down with the Avatar, down with the Avatar. And the realization, it dawns on them that this is not a celebratory festival. It is actually just them celebrating how much they hate Aang, I guess, or the Avatar in general. So big plot twist there. Yeah, I also just want to comment that especially Katara and Sokka's reactions in this episode are super over-exaggerated. Like the number of times their face is like their jaw drops and their eyes like pop open happens a ton in this episode. And it's just it's kind of silly. And um, so, yeah, they realize that it's not a holiday of the Avatar after all. 
And while the effigies are burning, it's Katara who rushes out to waterbend and put the fires out. And meanwhile, Aang is kind of just hiding in the corner. I thought it was just interesting that it was Katara to actually put out the flames and not Aang. It seems like Katara here is the one that's like defending Aang, defending the Avatar. Yeah, so... After Katara puts out the flames, Aang flies up to his float and reveals that he himself is the Avatar. And a man in the crowd is like, it's the Avatar himself. He's going to kill us with his awesome Avatar powers. So it was at this moment I realized this voice is unmistakable. This is the legendary James Hong, a.k.a. Mr. Ping from Kung Fu Panda. Back at it again. Uh, we met him, if you remember, for the first time as Tashi, which is the strict monk in the episode The Storm. And then Aang, on top of his float, raises his hand as if to, you know, reinsure everyone in the crowd. But instead, everyone's super scared. Like, what is he going to do to them? And then the man says, I suggest you leave. You're not welcome here, Avatar. But Aang's like, no, nah, I'm on your side. And the man says, I find that hard to swallow, considering what you did to us in your past life. It was Avatar Kiyoshi. She murdered our glorious leader, Chin the Great. And then it cuts to this old man. He's like, we used to be a great society before you killed our leader. And now look at us. <laughs> and then there's like a womp womp. And then like it cuts to this like really, really bad looking old man. <laughs> but what strikes me as like even funnier is like Aang has a physical reaction. Where he's like, ah, he like moves his entire body away. <laughs> and my first thought is like, come on, Aang, you're a monk. You shouldn't be judging by appearances. Yeah. Man. He doesn't even look that bad. Yeah. <laughs> he really doesn't. That's he's just like just a little, so you know, like unshaven a little unkept he's got some ear ear hairs going on there but. yeah nothing yeah. wrong with some ear hairs Good <laughs> power to you man yeah ang just doesn't understand he has like no hair so <laughs> yeah he can't relate but then katara refutes the man she's like ang would never do something like that no avatar would and it's not fair for you all to question his honor um and then basically ang's like yeah, you know what? I'll clear my name. I'll stand trial with yours, town's rules, and this is how I'll clear the name of the Avatar. So this has got to be the stupidest plot point in all of Avatar, <laughs> hands down. At least in The Great Divide, they needed to get somewhere and there was like a threat. Like Aang is just inventing problems for him to have because he knows that there needs to be certain number of episodes per season. Like Aang is aware here. <laughs> There's like a huge cognitive dissonance between like I killed these people versus like Kiyoshi killed them. And he's also aware that he has to learn. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think back to season three when they're at Ember Island and then Zuko's like, we don't have time. We have to go fight the Fire Lord. And they're all like, what? It's because Aang's yeah. doing stupid stuff like this. Yeah. Um, but I remember that one time on was like, it's about the friends we made along the way because they all come back. Mm -hmm. But everyone here sucks. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah this, was, town uh, this town wasn't worth it. To, so. <laughs> yeah. They should have just flown away. This episode is so bad, it scared away James Hong. <laughs> yeah, he never comes back. Yeah, anyways, they throw Aang in prison because he they try to pay the bail with Water Tribe money, but they reject it. Um, and he's in prison and he's in that little wooden contraption where his head is in the middle and his arms are on the side and i learned that this little getup is called a pillory which i didn't know um but yeah i read online that this is just such a it's a double whammy it's so much it's so overkill because he's in prison and he's in this thing which is usually <laughs> supposed to be a source of 
public shame, mm-hmm. you know, like you're in you're in the pillory, like in town square or something, but they just put it on him and threw him <laughs> in prison, um, which is just the beginning of us getting to see how cruel and unusual this village is. Um, Aang says, I need you guys to help prove my innocence. And Sokka says, how are we going to do that? The crime happened over 300 years ago. And Aang says, that's okay, Sokka. For some reason, I thought you were an expert detective. And I thought this was like very quick thinking. And also feel like Aang is quite sassy in this Mm -hmm. episode, which Mm -hmm. is, it's just funny. I think, I mean, this whole episode is supposed to just be, you know, it's quite manipulative. Yeah, it is manipulative too. But he, he says he has this sass uh to Sokka and he also sasses the mayor later when he's like mm-hmm. you know I would love to help but I'm about to get boiled yeah. in oil which was, was so it so was such surprising. a good moment that was really he's yeah. it was really good yeah learning from the best yeah but at the end of all of this Sokka's like fine but I'm gonna need some new props I'm and then it like cuts to him and he's like I'm ready um, he's like in this whole getup with a monocle and everything. Uh, I just want to flag though that the hat that he's wearing, uh, if you ever watch any of those old Chinese dramas where they're in the Forbidden Palace, you know, it's like whatever dynasty, they're always like wearing those hats and those wing caps are worn by Chinese magistrates huh. uh, who are often depicted as great detectives. Interesting. Yeah. And he's got this awesome dragon pipe. It's really cool yeah, looking pipe. That pipe is awesome. Where did he get Asaka that from? was vaping yeah. before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. The OG vape pen. <laughs> now they're all minimalist, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the new thing. Mm-hmm. So from there, the man shows Katara and Sokka the crime scene, and it basically involves the statue of Chin and then the shrine and this footstep, which the man says is the footprint of the killer, Kiyoshi, and it's noticeably very small. And the man says, it was sunset, 370 years ago today, that she emerged from the temple and struck down Chin the Great. And Sokka takes out his monocle glasses and investigates the statue and then realizes that the temple and the statue are made out of the same stone. But because the statue was built after Chin died, that must have meant that Kiyoshi never set foot in the temple. I just want to make two comments here. A, it seems like Sokka's monocle has a life of its own. It chooses when it wants to like zoom in on things <laughs> and collapse. It's pretty cool. Um, it's like a nice animation detail. But B, yes, they might have like the same texture, maybe, but the color of the stones are so clearly different. Like the building is made out of this like beige stone and the statue is made out of this like pinkish stone. And like when he said that, the first thing I thought was like, no, they're not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it seems like quite a jump to to say that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't completely get this piece of evidence, but, you know. Sokka's just getting warmed up. <laughs> yeah, so then Sokka realizes he's missing his boo, Suki, and he's like, let's go to Kiyoshi Island for more info. So the next scene is on Kiyoshi Island, and Sokka and Katara are going to visit Kiyoshi's shrine with old man Oyaji. And uh, just a fun fact, I don't even know if we, I don't think we actually said this last time, but I know we said you know, Oyaji is one of the OG old men, but Oyaji, I'm not pronouncing that correctly. It's an informal Japanese word meaning old man, actually. And mm. it's used to affectionately refer to a father, longtime boss or older relative. Uh, those are some of the examples. And yeah, it makes total sense because Oyaji is in this position in his village, you know, beloved by all. 
So everyone is calling him daddy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, so, you know, glad to have him back. And Sokka asks, what's Suki up to? And Ayaji says, oh, she and the other warriors left to fight in the war. And Sokka, you know, looks a little down. And then they arrive at the shrine and it's filled with these Kyoshi relics. Um, and Oyaji says, you know, they say that these are still connected to Kyoshi's spirit. And then Katara finds her boots and says, her feet must have been enormous. And I thought... You know what big feet means. <laughs> um, although big fans, not sure that applies here. Big fans, she she does have big fans. <laughs> big power, big bending power, big bending energy. <laughs> um, and then Oyaji says, "The biggest of any avatar." <laughs> and then <laughs> he's like. <"So." laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's very excited about it. And then Katara realizes that there's no way the little footprint could have been Kyoshi's. Yeah, so Yaji continues to show them around and he brings them to a painting called The Birth of Kyoshi. And he tells them that it was painted on sunrise the day the island was founded. And he says, why? It was today, in fact, 370 years ago. And Sokka does a double take and he's like, are you for sure? And Sokka inspects the picture and he says, no, it wasn't painted on sunrise, but it was painted at sunset um, because of the shadows. And he says, if Kyoshi was at the ceremony at sunset, she couldn't have been in Chin committing the crime. She has an alibi. And as he says this, he pushes Katara out of the way, just throws her out of the picture. And Katara like screams. <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> so funny. And then, yeah, at the end, at the very end of the scene, Katara gets her revenge. She smacks Sokka on the head with the pipe. So, yeah, <laughs> cute moment. That was really yeah. funny, though. I laughed out loud. When that <laughs> it's like a old time cartoon physics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So now Katara, Sokka, and Aang are defending Aang to the mayor. And Katara starts off with, in quite possibly her second worst speech that she's ever given <laughs> following her speech at the prison, she says, Honorable Mayor, we have prepared a solid defense for the Avatar. We did an investigation and found some very strong evidence. And my first thought was like, oh my God, is this like flashbacks to high school model UN where they're like, honorable chair, fellow delegates, and you know, the, the whole spiel. This is such a bad episode. Um, anyway. James Hong saves the episode. He's like, evidence? Ha! That's not how our court system works. And Aang asks how he can prove his innocence. And the Mary goes, simple. I say what happened, and then you say what happened, and then I decide who's right. And then the mayor says, that's why we call it justice, because... It's just us. And then he like throws his head back. He's like, in the in, like the way he does, he's like, ha ha ha. He like leaves. It's amazing. Uh, so good. I can't yeah. do the laugh. Ha 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 Just kidding. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> that should be next, uh, you know, trivia is like laugh impersonations. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That'd be pretty good, actually. I feel like there are a lot of like, kind of crazy people in the show. Azula. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, just a quick comment on this. Uh, 
Yeah, this whole episode, I mean, I think this episode is pretty funny. Uh, I think it has a lot of slapsticky moments. You know, everything like Anand was saying is very in your face, very extreme. Um, yeah, and I just read online when I was doing research that this episode was actually written by the same or similar people as episodes like the King of Omashu, and I think one other one I'm forgetting, but uh, that one is also, you know, very, very funny, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very kind of, I think the mayor and uh, and Boomy have a little, some similarities, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. So then we have the trial and the mayor's going first and the mayor says, everyone loved Chin the Great because he was so great. <laughs> then the avatar showed up and killed him. And that's how it happened. <laughs> um... Yeah, uh, yeah, no one can deliver it as well as James Hong. Um, and then Aang is up and he's, you know, trying to remember the evidence to present his case, but he keeps forgetting and stumbling all over himself and, you know, a little, a little stage fright. And oopsie whoopsie, as they say. <laughs> um yeah, and then they're, you know, pretty screwed, but then they've put together this plan, and Katara asks the mayor to hear one last testimony, and the mayor says she can't call any witnesses, and Katara says, this isn't just any witness, I'm going to call Avatar Kiyoshi herself, and then Aang appears all dressed in Kiyoshi's <laughs> clothes and in the makeup and everything, and Katara explains to Sokka um, that, you know, I thought this might trigger something. And this just doesn't make any sense at all. Did they steal all this stuff from the shrine after Oyaji was like, do not touch Uh anything in the shrine? Like, this is crazy. Um, Anyways, yeah, I think there's something sketchy going on there. And then Aang tries to impersonate Kiyoshi and says, hey, everybody, Avatar Kiyoshi here. (laughs) Which is, you know, as we soon get to learn uh, a little bit more about Avatar Kiyoshi's personality, this is definitely not (laughs) Avatar Kiyoshi's personality. So, (laughs) I love how, like, Aang just, Katara's obviously the one orchestrating this whole thing, and Aang just goes along with it, like... (laughs) He's about to be like tried for like killing someone, probably <laughs> imprisoned for life, and he's just like impersonating Kyoshi in like this crazy, unrealistic feminine voice, and it's just classic Aang here. Th- this is what cracked me up the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause like, like what is he thinking, right? He's probably just like, fuck it. <laughs> like I'm just gonna <laughs> I've got nothing left to lose. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like he came in here with like high hopes of clearing the avatar's name. <laughs> like that was just like no dignity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but he's cool with it, you know. And, and also maybe he's just like whipped for guitar. Yeah. Like guitar is like you know into some things. Like put on this dress. <laughs> put on this dress. <laughs> I heard she had really big feet. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, <laughs> Aang is trying to channel the big feet vibes. It's like when Michael Scott has like called all the female employees and they're sitting at the Steamtown Mall and he's like, Sometimes I'm really uncomfortable with the schoolgirl fantasy. And then like Pam is like, Oh no, that's completely normal. He's like, I don't like it when I have to wear the dress. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. so, yeah. that's a perfect reference. Oh my god. Whew, all right, that derailed. <laughs> um, uh, okay, this is not a PG then, episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to put a not, disclaimer on this one for sure. 
Yeah, so the mayor is about to convict Aang for the murder of Chin the Great when Kyoshi manifests herself through Aang's body and the screen goes dark and then whoosh. Whoosh, there's a giant tornado and Kyoshi emerges and she says, I killed Chin the Conqueror. Yes, in a very noticeably not feminine, high-pitched voice. Um, And then, yeah, I just thought, wow, the truth comes out. Uh, He ain't that great. And by he, I mean Chin. Um, And I think think it's just a cool detail of how she calls him Chin the Conqueror, but uh, in the village, he's referred to as Chin the Great. So, you know, Mm -hmm. people are remembered very differently. I think that's like a good theme of this episode, I guess. It's just like history is different depending on who's telling it. Anyways, he, Chin the Conqueror in the flashback, stamps his foot down on the ground. And I thought it was just so funny because, I mean, I think this is supposed to be a pretty intense scene because we're meeting Kiyoshi for the first time and she's really intense and very all-powerful. But he's just this little man. And I feel like when he stomps his foot down on the ground, I I felt like he was a little boy throwing a temper tantrum. (laughs) Um, And yeah, only after doing research did I realize that, oh, you know, the footprint from earlier is supposed to be Chin's footprint. So it is like... It is, you know, you have to kind of think about it. So it's nice. It's, it's kind of subtle. Um, also, apparently there's a goof here because Chin doesn't move after he stamps his foot down during the whole flashback. Um, but then the ground crumbles beneath him and he, you know, falls to his death. And so since he didn't move, his footprint should have crumbled mm-hmm. into the lava too. So um, yeah. yeah, that's a little bit of a goof. It's a pretty big goof, actually. <laughs> also, how does a footprint get preserved for that long? I was thinking that too, but I guess there's, you know, well, it seemed like it was just dirt, but it made me think of the Hollywood, you know, what is it? The Chinese theater in Hollywood where they have like the footprints of famous people. No, handprints of famous people. Mm. Interesting. But that's in cement. So it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Kiyoshi put like so much pressure, pressure. She compressed the dirt into like a, like a stone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Kiyoshi continues, a horrible tyrant. Chin was expanding his army to all corners of the continent. When they came to the neck of the peninsula where we lived, he demanded our immediate surrender. I warned him that I would not sit passively while he took our home, but he did not back down. On that day, we split from the mainland. Yeah. And then another fun fact, uh, I read that Chin shares some traits with Xiang Yu, who was a powerful warlord who ended up overthrowing the Qin dynasty. Um, And he was known for his brutality, and he was also regarded as the conqueror in Chinese culture. Um, And then eventually, he was defeated due to his lack of humility and excess of pride. So uh, pretty similar there. And also, you know, Qin Dynasty, Qin the Conqueror. uh, Yeah, so definitely could be some inspiration there. Also, this made me think of Zhao and his whole... Thing with him wanting to be known as Zhao the Conqueror and also how he met his end, which is him being too prideful to accept any help and, you know, get out of the way. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was it was cool that I think Zhao uh, resembles Chin a lot. The moral of the story is don't call yourself the Conqueror and you'll probably be <laughs> fine. Bad things will happen to you. <laughs> Gyatso the Conqueror. <laughs> no! <laughs> Some unprompted fun facts about Chin the Conqueror, and I was supposed to mention this during the statue part, but I'm going to mention it now. Um, 
Chin's statue and later when he's depicted now, uh, he has these shoes which have the ends upturned and upturned toe caps are actually big in fashion in ancient Chinese cultures, uh, especially mm-hmm. during the Qin dynasty. Mm. Upturned toe caps began during the Qin dynasty. So, um, yeah, during the spring and the autumn periods, these shoes were v- valued very highly by people. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and then Kiyoshi goes into the Avatar state and does some crazy bending and splits Kiyoshi Island from the rest of the continent and uses all of the elements to do it. What terrifying power. I feel like this is the first time we really realize how powerful a fully realized Avatar is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Roku was a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Roku sucks. <laughs> Roku sucks. <laughs> and then as she airbends away the island from the mainland, Chin screams. And w- with that scream, he falls to his death. So now it cuts to Aang is being found guilty by the mayor and for punishment, he brings out the wheel of punishment. And then Aang says, I said I would face justice, so I will. And then the mayor spins the wheel. Yeah, and uh, I thought, why don't they just leave on Appa now? Like, they literally <laughs> see the wheel. They see all the possibilities. Pretty much he's going to get dead. And at this point, they like he should know that it's time for them to leave because or else... The Fire Nation will take over the world because no one else is left to stop them if he dies. Um, but anyways, they like stay to, you know, face justice or whatever. I thought this was the stupidest part. Um, and then, yeah, I was just doing research and I got a definitive list of all the options on this wheel, which I think is just funny. So I'm going to read them. Uh, it's bed of nails, whipping post. OK, so I guess you wouldn't die on whipping post. Maybe not bed of nails either. It would just be, you know, ouchie. Like acupuncture or something. Boiled in oil, probably dead. Eaten by shark, dead. Razor pit, dead. Mauled by platypus bear, dead. Burned alive, dead. Community service. (laughs) 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 And um, yeah, so pretty funny. Most of them you would die. Uh, Also, another goof happens here where um, when we see the wheel land on boiled in oil directly next to it is bed of nails but later when mayor tong is like no protect us he moves it one you know slot over to community service so Mm. the wheel is not consistent this this um wheel also confirms that sharks are in fact an animal of the avatar world and is not a hybrid Mm. animal so there you go another one I just think it's funny. I like to think that like this town's tax money is going to maintaining a razor pit just in case <laughs> their, <laughs> their death row needs to be executed via razor pit. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, then the mayor says, looks like it's a boiled in oil. And then suddenly a bomb goes off and the, this Fire Nation sol- soldier or this leader of the Rough Rhino says, we've come to claim this village for the Fire Lord. And first and foremost, I just want to say the Rough Rhinos, I feel like, are the most differentiated of all the Fire Nation soldiers we meet. Like they each have their own personalities, weapons and even looks. And one of the Rough Rhinos is an archer and he has the face paint of the UEN archers, which I thought it was like a really cool reference. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, um, and actually I did some reading there and the history of this guy was he was actually used to be the leader of the Union Archers, but then he was very cocky and he, you know how the Union Archers have are very precise with their shooting. Um, And then he was like, I can pin a fly on a tree, you know, thousand meters away, but I can do it blindfolded. Um, And then I think he failed at some mission for Ozai. And so Ozai kicked him out of the UN archers, which is why he's in this group now. So, I mean, still very elite, but not the UN archers. Um, Mm. So he actually was in the UN archers. Um, Yeah. Another fun fact is that, uh, Colonel Monkey actually served under Iroh in the Fire Nation Army mm. when um, mm. they were invading Bossing Say. So yeah, ton of cool stuff on the Ref Rhinos um, on the Avatar Wiki. Um, and allegedly, the Ref Rhinos were responsible for the destruction of Jet's hometown and the death of his parents. So I think what they're really doing is going through the Earth Kingdom and just ravaging <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Earth Nation villages, which is... I don't know why, because... I don't know. Somebody in the comments on, on, I think, Avatar Wiki was like, it's so weird. They're just here to destroy this village. And I don't think they don't seem interested at all in capturing Aang, like while they're destroying the village. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just bloodthirsty, you know? Yeah, exactly. So then Sokka gets into a fight with the archer dude and this explosion guy. And Sokka gets his boomerang back. Um, I just want to say when Sokka finds his boomerang, the guy behind him just casually dies and his head in his helmet just like rolls in the background. So <laughs> Wait, what? this has to be like one of the one of the more intense episodes. What? Okay, yeah, I'll have, have to take another that. look at that too. Wow, <laughs> that's dark. Like his, it, it's not obvious that his head is inside the helmet, but like the helmet goes rolling by in the background and I don't know. What kind of explosion only takes the helmet off, you know? <laughs> oh, boy. Then Kantara and Sokka start taking them down as well. Um, and then there's this really cool epic final fight scene. Um, and there's really cool choreography here, but I want to mention it because I think it serves the plot really well. Um, Aang starts fighting by taking and fanning out the fans and airbending with it. Um, but then in this moment... Uh, this climax of the fight, he drops the fans and then he, you know, this signature of Kiyoshi and kind of gets on his air scooter, which is like his own thing, you know? Mm. Um, so it's kind of like him taking ownership here. I also want to juxtapose this to the fight on Kiyoshi Island where the whole island was kind of burned down. Here, almost nothing gets burned. All of the fire bending that is bended i guess is completely <laughs> dissipated by ang's airbending here and qatar's waterbending so clearly they've grown very they've grown a lot as team avatar wow yeah, that's cool that's a really good point i was thinking here i remember in the kiyoshi um island episode the first time ang gets the fans and then he uses that with the airbending and his airbending gets super strong because the fans like conduct the air well and i was like why doesn't he just do that here again he has the fans like i remember commenting that that was like such a super weapon him having the fans and he just throws them away yeah. but i like your point justin the fans feel like they almost have a physics to them in this episode. Like they have mass, they have weight. They like it almost seems like to me that they're metal fans. Yeah, they did know. look heavy. Yeah. yeah, I mean these are Kyoshi's actual fans, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the ones from the um, first 
the Warriors of Kyoshi episode, they're like the Warriors of Kyoshi's fans. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a difference there. Cool. So now we're going to move on to the Zuko stuff. Um, I know that wasn't we didn't say that at the beginning, but <laughs> yeah, just because the plots are pretty disparate. So we begin the B plot of this episode with some blue spirit theme music, the like ting ting ting, you know, uh, and we see the blue spirit swipe some barrels of food from some merchants. And the first thing I thought was it wasn't obvious to me that they were merchants. They seemed like they could be, you know, any normal two people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I kind of thought like, wow, that's pretty low of Zuko to be stealing food from like normal people who like obviously aren't like the upper class of the earth kingdom mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um which is pretty low but then the next time we see zuko he jumps on top of this carriage and it stops and it almost reminds me of like a robin like the first couple of scenes in like robin hood you know where he's like stealing from the rich and giving to the poor and he cuts into the top of this wagon and he steals a box of gold off of what is like very obviously an opulent man um so maybe he's upping his game question mark i don't really know uh but he's he's not stealing from the rich and giving to the poor he's stealing from everyone giving it to iroh um and then so the next time we see them it cuts to zuko and iroh and iroh says looks like you did some serious shopping but where did you get the money and Zuko says, do you like your new teapot? And then Iroh says, and he squints his eyes here. He says, to be honest with you, the best tea tastes delicious, whether it comes from a porcelain pot or a tin cup. And then Iroh confronts Zuko by saying, there is a simple honor in poverty. And I'm like, wow, these bars. Um, yeah. uh, but then Zuko says, there is no honor for me without the avatar. And I think this is really telling because... Like Zuko might be annoyed that the fact that they're in poverty, but I don't think he's bothered by like the material loss of being in poverty. I don't think he like cares as much as the fact that he's lost his honor and like being rich and like making it isn't going to bring him back his honor. It's only the avatar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Iroh says in retort, even if you did capture the avatar, I'm not so sure it would solve our problems. Not now. Yeah. And um, I noticed that the shot is from Zuko's not scarred side. So it made me feel like, oh, in this moment, he's actually listening and open to the change that Iroh is suggesting. Mm -hmm. And then Zuko says, then there's no hope at all. Yeah. And I thought this was significant, too, because he doesn't disagree um, he accepts the fact that it wouldn't solve his problems now, but you know, he gives in and just says like, then I give up. Mm -hmm. And then Iroh says, no, Zuko, you must never give in to despair. <laughs> Allow yourself to slip down that road and you will surrender to your lowest instincts. In the darkest times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the <laughs> meaning of inner strength. And wow, top top five Iroh quotes of all time. Agreed. Top five Iroh impersonations of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, the final scene of this episode with Zuko and Iroh is Zuko, you know, coming back to their hideout and saying, Uncle, I thought a lot about what you said. It's helped me realize something. We no longer have anything to gain by traveling together. I need to find my own way. <laughs> and I thought, 
I gotta go my own way. <laughs> what song is that? What? I've got to move on and be who I am. What is that again? I just. Is this some like 2006 song? Troy, I gotta say what's on my mind. High School Musical? Is that three? Wait, which High School Musical? Two. Oh, two. Okay, whatever. I, I've never seen any of them in their entirety. All right. Well, this is Zuko's theme song <laughs> for this entire season, so you guys at least got to check out High School Musical too. <laughs> Perhaps. All right. Thank you. Anyways, you're welcome. Iroh like looks down, but he doesn't actually even look that sad. He looks more contemplative, and I thought that was interesting. I thought, what is going? You know, what is going on through? Iroh's mind right now. Also, I'm so confused by Zuko. Uh, and I kind of am curious to know what you guys think about why he ultimately decides this. Because um, I was kind of reading and some people will say it's because, you know, Iroh says like things that Zuko doesn't want to hear or something. I don't know. Anyways, I'm confused by this whole thing. Uh, why he decides to do this. Yeah, this this also I I was also a little confused by this, but it seems like. I don't know. To me, I just kind of read it as Zuko heard. He thinks he didn't really want to hear. He still wants to capture the Avatar, and he knows that Iroh won't help him do that. I think Zuko sees Aang sacrificing so hard in this episode because Aang knows there needs to be filler. And Zuko's like, wow, I need to pull my weight. I need to put a really... I need to give this season a really good episode so he leaves so Zuko alone can happen. (laughs) Because otherwise, there's nothing great about this season at all. So, Oh, man. Fighting words, Justin. You will live to regret (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I I just like... I mean, I like your theory, Justin, but... Yeah, I mean, I think the only explanation has to be that he doesn't agree with Iroh, but it just seems like, I don't know, maybe that's the point that the last scene was so subtle and maybe he's just kind of, it's been brewing up inside of him. Mm -hmm. But I would think that there would be a bigger kind of blow up Mm -hmm. because that's Zuko's personality and we know that. And I don't know, I feel like for him to go on off on his own, I feel like Iroh would have been like, you know, maybe they would have talked about it more and Iroh would have been like, you know, we're not like, we shouldn't do that. Like you shouldn't continue to capture the avatar, like been a little bit more explicit. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, they like might've gotten into a fight. I don't know. It just seemed really weird and sudden to me. Although I do appreciate the plot that it leads to later in the season. Um, anyways. Um, but Iroh is great as always and just doesn't say anything um, and gives Zuko the horse ostrich, ostrich horse um, to help him out on his journey. And that concludes this episode. So let's get to our ratings. All right. So part of me really wanted to give this episode a one, but I will give it a two. Um, I think we highlighted a lot of the downsides of this episode. It's very filler. Um, Nothing super important happens. Um, It's very over-exaggerated in a lot of ways, the A-plot, and it's not the most interesting of episodes. Um, however, I did really like the boomerang story arc, so that was a plus. Um, <laughs> there were there were definitely some funny moments with the uh, Sokka pushing Katara out of the way and and the mare and such, and then the Iroh wisdom at the end pushed me over. So I will give it a two. I also give it a two. Um, it feels like every part of this episode 
is trying to be the comedic relief. But the problem is everything is a comedic relief and there's no actual good part of the episode except Iroh's quote. So maybe Iroh's quote was so good that everything else needed to be comedic relief. But anyway, it's two. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going between a two and a three because I do think it was funny. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it a two because I don't think it was you know, much more than funny. Uh, but, you know, if we're going kind of for, if we're comparing kind of like the worst episodes of Avatar, I think this one is significantly funnier than The Great Divide. Mm-hmm. Significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, even though maybe the plots in both are not very great. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like I was saying earlier, I think it's cool that it sets up Aang's conflict over whether or not to kill Ozai. Um, but it also kind of breaks the flow of the whole season two thus far like a uh, fun fact that i read online is that this is the only episode in book two prior to toff's entrance where they don't mention finding an er- mm. earthbending teacher which is very surprising actually it didn't yeah. occur to me but like they were so set on finding an earthbending teacher every single episode before this so it's like the main thing that they talked about um and so it's really weird that this one is so uh not about that So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion of Avatar Day. As always, we release on What's Up Wednesdays most of the time. So we'll see you then for our discussion of The Blind Bandit. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions, be sure to like our Facebook page or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio, Hopman. <laughs>